Amen. Isn't it interesting that we have, oh, a couple of things I usually mention. One, if you uh, would, uh, at some point, fill out the uh, connection card at cchmd.com. Let us know where you are viewing us from. Uh, that's a, a great way for us to kind of stay connected together. On that page is also a link to the giving portal and uh, a link to any prayer requests that you might have as well. Also, if you want to follow along with today's sermon notes on the YouVersion Bible app, today's sermon title is A New Hope, A New Hope. And so you can follow along there. Now, back to where I was at. Isn't it interesting that uh, we have a, a, uh, a holiday so, uh, so known for light at the darkest time of the year? Yeah, we, 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 you know, when we think about Christmas, we, we, we see light displays everywhere, right? If, you, you know, if you've been driving around town at all, you see uh, maybe lights in your neighborhood, maybe you see uh, lights downtown, you see uh, lights everywhere. And, and it happens like at the, this darkest time of the year, right? And, and just 10 days will be the darkest day in the Northern Hemisphere. December 21st is the, uh, d- day, the shortest day, the, the, shorter, the, the, the day with the most darkness, the least amount of light. And, and maybe if you, like I said, maybe you, you've not been driving around quite as much, or at least not at night, and maybe you saw the lighting of the tree at Rockefeller Center or the, the, the lighting of the, the tree at the White House. And we see these bright and glorious and beautiful displays of light to brighten up the darkness. And sometimes it feels like we live in a dark place, doesn't it? I mean, you just turn on the news and it seems like acts of violence are going up all the time. That there's violence here and there's violence there. And, and some of it may be true. Some of it may just be that it's just uh, the, the byproduct of a 24-hour news cycle looking for its next hit, looking for its next event to, to share, looking for its next thing to show. And you hear about a dismal financial forecast. And we begin to feel the pinch of things at the store. And we wonder, when will things start to get better? When will things lighten up? When will things brighten up? It seems like every time we hear something, every time we look, doom and and gloom and bad news following bad news. And then there's Christmas. Then there's Christmas. There's this time of year when, when, there's, when it seems like hope springs eternal, right? It seems like if, if, if thing, at this time of year, even when things seem darkest, all of a sudden there is there's light and there is hope. We believe that hope is possible. We believe that better days are there, that in the midst of the gloom, in the midst of the darkness, we have light. There was a Christmas ad one time. Uh, posted in a publication, it said this, the meaning of Christmas is that love and will triumph and that we will be able to put together a world of peace and unity. You know, if we just dig deep down inside of ourselves, we have the light within us that will chase away the darkness. If we just pull together all of our resources, of all the people, of all those in the human race, all around the earth, we can make things better. And you know, don't know if that matches up with the reality that you face, but it doesn't seem to be reality for me. So long ago, there's a man named Isaiah, and he was speaking for God, and he wrote down the words of God, and this is what he wrote in Isaiah. In his book, he said, Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they'll become enraged, and looking upward will curse their king and their God. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust 
into utter darkness. Isaiah writes, you know, if we just look deep inside of ourselves, if we try real hard, we will make things worse. Right? We look around and we just dig deep down inside. We don't necessarily see light. We see that no matter the human initiative, the human striving, the human production, all that we'll see is distress and darkness and fearful gloom. It would be thrust into darkness. I don't know about you, but it's been a long time since I've been afraid of the dark. But just because I'm afraid of the dark doesn't mean I don't mind having the light on, right? And just because I don't, I'm just because I'm not afraid of the dark doesn't mean that I want to sit in darkness. Oftentimes, I'm the, uh, the first one up, and so I've gotten really good at walking down the hall in darkness. I can get out of our bedroom and down the hall to the bathroom with, you know, rarely running into anything. Though sometimes I am still so much in a slumber that I occasionally kick the side of the bed and that's, that usually doesn't go well for me. But usually I, I can make my way all the way there and get down the hall and turn on a light. And I turn the light on, all of a sudden the darkness disappears. And once the light is on, there's no more darkness. I don't have to try real hard. I don't have to find it deep within me. I just have to flip the switch. So to bring light to a dark world, it's going to take more than just human initiative. It's going to take more than just human striving. It's going to take something larger and greater and bigger than ourselves. And so thankfully, Isaiah doesn't finish with those words there. So if you would, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. This is one of the uh, most uh, common, most familiar uh, prophecies of the birth of Jesus. And Isaiah sets up, he's talking about just how bad things have gotten, just how bad the world has been. And we tend to just focus on a couple of these verses, but sometimes it gives us, it's better if we take, get a little bit broader scope of what Isaiah is talking about. Yeah, to, to pull back just a little bit and hear the greater picture of the world and the prophecy that he's given. That even though the time that Jesus was born into is a time of peace because of the power of Rome, there was still, there's still that stress of their thumb, of their overarching rule. There's political and religious tensions because of their presence. And it's into this world that a new hope is born. This is what Isaiah writes for us. After he says, they'll be thrust into darkness. He says, nevertheless, there'll be no more gloom. For those who were in distress in the past, he humbled. He humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. And the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you, as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of, of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them. The bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppression, every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government 
and peace, uh, and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it in justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Seems like all of a sudden, there's this world of darkness. And into this darkness, there is light. There is hope. It's like the, the darkest time is right before dawn, right? <clears throat> and maybe you've been uh, at the beach, or maybe you've been on a road trip, and you've been heading into the sunrise, and all of a sudden, the, the, the horizon is pitch black. And then all of a sudden, there's a ray of light. All of a sudden, there's just, there's a, it seems like there's like a single beam, and the, the, all of a sudden, the, the, the horizon begins to warm, and the, 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 the light begins to shine, the, the horizon begins to glow, and all of a sudden, what once was dark is now, is now illuminated. There's some hope. There's light coming. And Isaiah kind of describes it as that, that dark period. And then he looks and goes, nevertheless, there'll be no more gloom. Nevertheless, there'll be no more gloom. There'll be no more darkness. There'll be no more distress. For those who are living in deep darkness, they will see a light that has dawned. A light that has come. He refers to the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali. And they were, they were two of the more northern tribes in, in, the, in the land of Israel. If you look at an old map of where all the tribes were at, they were on that northern end. And, and whenever they had invaders from the north, they were the ones who would tend to get the brunt of it. And so they, they were more easily dragged away. They're more easily pulled away. They're furthest from Jerusalem. They're furthest from their spiritual home. And so they, they felt this brunt. Sometimes they felt that they lived in a land of darkness. And Isaiah writes and says, into that land, hope will rise. Hope of light has dawned. They will be the first to see it. They'll be the first to experience. They'd experience all these difficulties and these hardships, but for them, out of that hardship, a light has dawned. And light almost always represents hope. So hope occurs not from looking inside of ourselves. This hope doesn't occur because we just dug down deep as a community. It doesn't because we just, we just brought all of our resources together. The hope occurs because a light has come from someone else, from somewhere else. We remember that we are not God. And scripture, scripture does not teach that, man, if you just try real hard, you can fix your life. It doesn't just it doesn't say, hey, if you just look around you, everything can get put back together. That's not what scripture teaches. What we see is that when we lay aside ourselves and we look to someone else, we look to someone greater, that is where we find our hope. See, this light reminds us that we're not headed into some sort of dystopian future, some post-apocalyptic world where it just seems like a barren wasteland. But the message of Christianity, the message we need to be reminded of at Christmas is that our reality really is this bad. That things are this dark. That we can't do anything to heal or fix or save ourselves. But nevertheless, there is hope. We know this source of this light doesn't come from within. It doesn't come from the earth. It comes from outside. This light dawns upon us. And what does this light reveal? What well, reveals bounty. It reveals uh, like a celebration. It reveals uh, abundance. 
And so the, the light appears, and, and then people, he says, he says, he's like, you enlarge the nation. You increased their joy. Their hope doesn't come because they accomplished it. It was given to them. It was blessed upon them. And all of a sudden, you begin to see the celebration. It's like when a team wins a championship. And what does the city do? They throw a parade. They throw a party and everybody's invited. And you see the team, you know, there's all these floats and they're celebrating. They're carrying the trophy. And there's this great celebration because our team won. And you see that hope is won. It wasn't because they rose up. It wasn't because they were so good. It wasn't because they found it deep inside themselves. No, this, this hope, this abundance came because someone else delivered. You enlarged the nation. You increased. They rejoiced because you, as before you as people who rejoice at a harvest, because you enlarged them, you increased their joy. And we wait in a world consumed by darkness. They were in a world consumed by darkness. They had been defeated by their enemies and they were longing for the hope. They, 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 all they saw was Rome around them, right? There, there were, there was, uh, Roman soldiers uh, keeping them in, in check. There were, there were, there were, uh, there, there was the Roman government who was, uh, who was uh, oppressing them and, and taking their taxes. And yeah, sure, there was peace, but it came at a high price, it came at a great cost. But then in the midst of all this, there's a celebration of hope. There's a celebration of hope. Why? Because when God defeats the enemy, he defeats them utterly, completely. Like we can put away the weapons. We can put away uh, the, the, everything because God brings a different kind of peace. In fact, Isaiah says that every warrior's boot was used in battle. Every garment that had been rolled in blood would be destined for burning, would be fuel for the fire, that all these things would be dedicated as sacrifice to God. Because when the light of God appears, all enemies of darkness are utterly defeated. And while they were waiting for the coming of a Messiah, we are waiting for the coming of our Savior. Now, not for the first time to, to take away sin, but for the second time to, to completely defeat death and to bring us into our reward. They were waiting for someone to deliver them from Rome. They were waiting for someone to deliver them from their enemies. And sometimes it feels like we sit in the same place. We feel like we might be in this world of darkness that everything kind of is mounting against us. That, that, you know, have you heard this latest ruling? Have you heard what they did, what, what, what this law is going to do? And sometimes it feels like we are stuck in this place that is oppressive. Can we really experience the light and the hope and the joy of Jesus? But we wait. Because one day we know he will return and everything will be made right. In this darkness, be promised, the promised deliverance will be a child. In their darkness, a, a child will bring hope. A child will bring peace. There's, there's something about new life, isn't there? There's something about uh, the birth of a child that, that brings new hope. That maybe things will be better. That maybe things will get better. Maybe the next time you go to a funeral, take a look around. Take a look moment and look at those in the audience. And it almost always seems that at a funeral, there's at least one person who's pregnant. Almost as this re- reminder that even though death is our reality in the end, that, 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 that death will one day come for all of us. 
there's hope. New life is right there. And so as they, as Israel is, 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 is feeling kind of this oppression, this, 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 this weight, whether it was going to be the Babylonians and the Assyrians when Isaiah writes, maybe it's as they're rereading this before Jesus is born, it's the oppression of Rome. Maybe it's us just feeling like the world is mounting against us. We're reminded, reminded that there's still yet hope because to us, a child is born. And for us, a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders. One is coming who will set everything right into this land of darkness. Hope has dawned. A light has appeared. And so no matter what our deepest and darkest days are, hope is still yet on the horizon. And then this, this child who's born is given four names, right? There's four titles that he is blessed with. The first one is wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. That word wonderful, the word wonderful talks about just how like, awesome and awe and, and beauty that there is. It, it, it brings wonder to us. Have you ever seen something just so beautiful, so wonderful that you're just, you just stand there uh, just amazed at it? Carries with a sense of awe and beauty. And then you pair that descriptor wonderful with counselor. And what, what do we want from a counselor? We want someone who understands us, right? We want someone who's kind of lived in our shoes, who's been there with us, who can understand our predicament, who can understand what we are going through. We want a counselor who can give us wisdom to approach what lies ahead. And so if Jesus was born and and, and placed in a manger like we believe he was, then we have something that no other world religion has. We have a God who truly understands us because he has lived in our shoes. No other religion has a God who has suffered, who has been abandoned by friends, who was tortured and was put to death. No other world religion has that. And we have a God who's walked through every situation we have, yet was without sin. We have a God who can say, I know what it's like to be where you are. Trust in me. Follow me. Walk with me. He's a wonderful counselor. But he's not just a counselor. He is also the mighty God. If he was, if wonderful counselor means he, he understands where we are, mighty God means he has the power to do something about it right? That mighty, you know, it, you know, when you think of the word mighty, you don't think of some frail guy. You, don't, you, you, you might look at me and go, Mike, you're anything but mighty, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, my, my, my brother, he is like big, thick, huge. He is strong. You, know, you have Nate in the back. Nate can bench press the church. It'd be like, oh, you know, I mean, he, he, you, you look at me, I'm like, man, yeah, I'm over here on the Tinker Toys, right? I'm like, look, at this, look at this. I got this little round thing over here on the end. And you know, you know, I, I can count the weight on my fingers uh, that I, I, I lift. And, and I'd have to use like a calculator to, to add up what Nate's lifting back there. God's like, he's mighty. He's not just some, some small guy. He's not, he's not just, it's not just, you know, we're just going to hope he can come through. He is all powerful. He is the source of power. See, here's the thing about Jesus. You can't just like him. You can't just like him. 
Nowhere in scripture they go, oh man, you know, uh, yeah, I, 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 I love Jesus. He's just, he's just so good. And, and, and he, he, he's caused me to consider whether I want to change my life or not. No, no, no. When they found out who Jesus was, there were three reactions, right? They were either furious with him and wanted to kill him. They were either afraid of him and scared and wanted to run away. Or they bowed in worship. They were mad, scared, or they bowed their knee in worship. We have a God who does not allow for fence sitting when it comes to him. And they found out who Jesus was. They were never allowed to just say, oh, he's just so inspiring. It makes me want to be a better, it makes me me want to live a better life. No, they either were mad, afraid, or bowed in worship. The baby born at Christmas is the mighty God. Then our only response is to worship him completely. So he's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's everlasting father. That word father is a word that is never used to describe God in the Old Testament. That's why when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, and he says, pray like this, our father who art in heaven. How would be that name? It was, it was groundbreaking that they could address God as father. He was always mighty God. He was always powerful. He was always distant and separate. He was never close and intimate. And likewise, that word everlasting is never used to describe a human ruler. I mean, the closest we get is the promise that God gives to David that there were, he would never fail to have uh, an heir sitting on his throne. You'd have an everlasting kingdom, but it was always believed that'd be father to son to son. To, you know, it'd be passed on down the line. It wasn't going to be one person ruling. It was going to be just one family ruling. But here comes Jesus on the scene. And he's going to be the everlasting father. And what we understand from that is, no matter your darkest day, no matter how far it feels as if God has been from you, There's never been a day that God has not been in. There's never been a day that God has not experienced. There's never been a day that you've gone through, that you felt alone and isolated, uh, all by yourself, scared and afraid. He's not been right by your side. He's our wonderful counselor. He gives us great wisdom to be able to negotiate life because he's walked in our shoes. He's mighty God. He he is all-powerful. And he can make whatever happen that, we, that needs to be made happen. He's the everlasting father. He's always been there. And he always will be. There will never be a time when he will not exist. And finally, Prince of Peace. Ultimately, he's our Prince of Peace. Because see, our sin puts us at odds with God. Oh, we want to draw close to him, but our sin always has, creates this distance, this gap between us and who God is and where God is. And we need someone to stand in that place, to be peace for us, to make peace for us. We couldn't rise up and do it ourselves. We can't just dig down deep and, and accomplish it. We cannot earn our way to salvation. We are unable, completely unable to save ourselves. And so it takes Jesus, the very son of God, to fulfill the role of Prince of Peace. 
because we are totally lost and unable to save ourselves. Nothing less than the death of the son of God himself will bring peace to our souls. To accept that gift, we have to accept that we have flaws. We have weaknesses. That that we need help. That we are sinners on our own and destined for life apart from God. We have to admit that we as sinners can only be saved by the grace of God. And in faith, we have to submit ourselves to him and give him control of our lives. And sometimes we wrestle with that darkness, don't we? Because sometimes it becomes so familiar to us. It's sometimes it becomes just so comfortable to us because it, 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 it feels like our reality. It feels like, like who we are. And this, is, this is just the world that I've grown accustomed to. But we don't have to be accustomed to the darkness. We can accept the light of Jesus. When Jesus entered the world, his light shatters the darkness. He brings new life to replace our spiritual deadness. Jesus was talking and he was teaching. He said this, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. It feels like your world is just surrounded by darkness. If it just feels like that you have this oppressive weight upon you, it feels like you can never get ahead, that you always feel distant and alone. Jesus, I am the light. Walk to me. And when you live with me, you will never fail to have light. Jesus, he is the light of the world. He shows us the truth, the real truth about who we are. Truth about ourselves. He shows us the truth that heals our spiritual blindness and sets us free. See, he is the only beauty that can break our chains of addiction to money, sex, and power. He walks with us both into and through the valley of the shadow of death. Isaiah will write later on, he says, he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds, we are healed. We can't just dig down deep inside and figure it out ourselves. Oftentimes, the more we try to do of ourselves, the more we mess things up. There's a, a rule I heard one time. I don't always follow it, but it's a good rule. It's a rule of holes. Because when you're in one, quit digging. Usually when I find myself in a hole, what do I do? I just keep digging because I'm like, you know what? I can get myself out of this. I can get myself out of this mess. I, I, I can make this better. And the more I work, the more I work, what happens? The bigger, the deeper, the hole. And at some point, we have to realize, I can't do it myself. The more I do, the more I strive, the more I work, the more I dig deep inside myself to make my life better, the darker my life gets. And into that world, and only when I admit that, only then will the light dawn into my life. I begin to realize that Jesus is exactly who he said he is. He's our wonderful counselor. He's the one who gives us wisdom to live. He's the mighty God. He's the only one who can, who can truly fix our situation. He has the power and the knowledge to do it. And so he will act in our life. He is the everlasting father. He is always there with us, no matter where we find ourselves. He's our prince of peace. He will reach down to where we are and he will help us to make peace between us and God. 
to this time of year. We have to admit, we have to face the selfishness we have within. We have to admit that we will never be good enough on our own. That our own efforts only lead us further and further into darkness. But into that darkness, a light has appeared. The light of Jesus brings hope. It defeats darkness and it brings us peace with God. And Jesus again will appear. He will come again. We are there's people who live between two advents. It's not the advent of his first coming, but the advent of his second coming. We long for that day when he will come and will make everything right. He will not come as a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, but he will come as a victorious king riding a white stallion. And he will come and he will slay his enemies and he will bring peace to his people. And he will bring us into that victory celebration. We'll burn the boots. We'll burn the, the soldiers' uniforms because no longer will we need them. Because we will walk in his victory. And we will experience new life with him. So he'll establish a new government, a new kingdom. One not prone to the faults of man, but one that is established on the power of God and the will of God to the glory of God. And during this time of year, we celebrate his birth. Time when he came to be our savior. The time when he came to die for our sins so we might be able to be part of this new kingdom, to be part of his family. So maybe today, maybe today is the day that you need to be part of his family. You need to take that step and make Jesus your savior. The very reason that he came, maybe today your faith has been just stuck in neutral. And you experience this season, you're like, yeah, I know Jesus, and his, his, the, the reality of Jesus is part of my life, but yet I still feel this darkness. And maybe it's time to begin to re-engage with the faith of the past, the faith of, uh, of our youth, the faith of a, of a younger day. As we celebrate his birth and the new hope that he brings, maybe we need a spark of new hope in our life as well as he came to die for us that we might be able to walk and live with him. Maybe you need to talk to someone about how we can, how you can get your, your faith unstuck, get it out of neutral and begin to look to, to, to live in that hope that he brought us. Maybe today you need prayer. I'll be in the back. Mark and Jim will be around. David will be in the back as well. And we'd love to talk with you. If you need to, uh, just to talk about how, where, kind of where you're at and where you went ahead, how you can live in this hope that Jesus purchased for us. Maybe you don't want to talk. Maybe you're at home and, 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 and you have a decision that you want to share with us as well that we can pray with. You can use the connection card at cchmd.com slash connect. And there you can mark the appropriate box. See, as we experience the hope of Christmas this year, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. May you experience the light he brings into the world, into our life. May we share that light with others that they may find Jesus as their savior as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness. We thank you that even though there, we, we find darkness in this world, that Father, there is still yet hope. There's still yet a light on the horizon that draws us and leads us to you. And Father, may we experience that hope. May we walk in light of that hope. May we live not uh, trying to earn our way to you, 
not trying to dig down deep inside and find uh, the answers inside of us, but Father, may we look to you, the light of the world. But Father, only in you, we can find hope and life and rest and peace. Trusting that you are there with us all the time. For this time of year, when sometimes we try to make it look like we have all of our stuff together, Father, may we realize that what we need most is to not trust in ourselves, but to give ourselves fully to you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the hope that we have in him. And I pray that as we approach this season, as we walk with you, Father, we pray, I pray that you would help us to be and to share the light that we have found in Jesus. And in his name I pray. Amen. Hey, we are glad that you've joined us today. Hey, if you want to join us tonight for dinner and, and for a show, that'd be awesome. Let us know uh, by filling out uh, the, uh, the, 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 letting us know on the, on the sheets in the Welcome Center. Uh, next weekend is a big weekend as well with the, uh, with the uh, congregational meeting and uh, open house and a lot of stuff going on at Christmas as we get to celebrate this time together. We hope you have a great week and we look forward to seeing you guys real soon.